Welcome to How to Eat Less Water, the podcast for anyone who's concerned about the state of our environment and wants to live more sustainably, but is short on either time, money, ideas, or all three. I'm your host, Florencia Ramirez, author of the award-winning book, Eat Less Water, and a kitchen activist. Every Monday and Wednesday, I share bite-sized action steps anyone can implement in their kitchen. Why the kitchen? The average person eats between 500 to 1,300 gallons of virtual water every day. Our food is the best place to turn our hope for a better environment into action. Want to receive 10 tips to eat less water for your summer parties? Go to eatlesswater.com to download the free list. Now, let's dig in and grow well-being together. Welcome to the How to Eat Less Water podcast. I'm your host, Florencia Ramirez. This is episode 20. Wow, those first 20 episodes went pretty quick, at least on my end. I've provided in those first 20 action tips to eat less water, ranging from wasting less food to cooking more, and given tips to buy some of our most popular foods like milk, coffee, wine, chocolate. And in the coming months, I'll be sharing more tips and focusing in on more of our most popular foods. But today I want to build our shared vocabulary of sustainable food because language holds power. Unless we have the vocabulary, we can't ask for it or to value it when we see the words or terms. And when we know the terminology, that's when we can partner with techniques to grow well-being simply by reaching for those food ingredients when we see them at the market or to start asking for them. Like in my wine episode, I spoke about biodynamic farming and how it builds soil health, key to save water and so much more. I suggested how to find biodynamic wine and to start asking for it wherever you buy wine. So last week, I found myself in the Italian grocery store slash eatery called Eatly in San Jose, California. They had an entire wine section dedicated to biodynamic wine from Italy. The signage was clear, and I was so excited to see it because that's unfortunately not the norm, but that's going to change because the more we ask for it, the more we'll begin to see sections for biodynamic wine or for organic wine. But unless you and I have the vocabulary, we likely won't reach for a bottle from that section because... It doesn't mean anything to us, right? So having an understanding of the agricultural methods that grow well-being is key to save water. What makes this so exciting for me, and I hope you can feel the passion when I talk about eating less water, is 70% of water globally is used to grow food. And Eating is something that we do every day. So if we change how and what we eat, collectively, it will make waves of change. 
How can we do that? How can we empower ourselves with vocabulary so we can start reaching for and asking for and partnering with uh, those agricultural methods that are absolutely part of the solution to build well-being on this planet? In last week's episode called Why Reach for Organic Milk Every Time, I was about to introduce an agricultural method or term called holistic management, but I decided it needs its own episode. It's too important. I heard about holistic management, also called plant or mob grazing, while on a farm in New York State situated along a river that leads to Chesapeake Bay. When I went to this farm, I had had never heard of the term holistic manage and never really thought about grazing and how important the art of grazing is to sustainable agriculture to organic agriculture. In fact, in order to be a USDA organic certified dairy, it requires that cows graze a minimum of four months in the grazing season. And the grazing season is different depending on where you are. In New York, the grazing season lasts about six months because it starts to snow in the late fall. And the grazing season in Northern California is all year long. Holistic managed is very different than just putting animals out on grass. When I, as an eater, began to ask the question, can I make a difference with my food choices? And if so, what would those food choices look like? Which is then why I started to visit farms like Cobblestone Farms, like this holistic managed farm in New York to get those answers directly from farmers who were utilizing the best practices out there to save water and to grow well-being for this planet. At that juncture, I didn't understand the difference between just putting animals out on grass and holistic management. But what I've come to understand, and really I understood it before I went to this farm. I just didn't know what I was looking at when I had backyard chickens. How many of you guys have had backyard chickens or know somebody who has backyard chickens? If you put chickens who are grazers on one patch of your yard and fence off that patch, that patch that may have had lots of grass, grassy area, like in my yard, where I put the chickens, there was it was on a patch of grass. But because I didn't move those chickens around in my yard, those chickens ate and ate and ate. They grazed and grazed and grazed until the grass was gone. And all was left was dirt. Because I wasn't moving those animals off of that patch, then the grazer, the chicken, no longer had a symbiotic or beneficial relationship with my backyard. Instead, it was causing desertification in that corner, which is a fancy way of saying turning areas into deserts. So that was a dirt patch after the chickens were done with it. But back then, I didn't understand the art of grazing. I didn't understand 
until I went to this farm, this dairy farm in New York. And then subsequently, I went to one of the largest pasture-raised egg operations in the country in Texas and also visited a ranch in Savannah that's practicing the same techniques, which is to move to move your animals around on your pasture. And in this way, you're mimicking what would normally happen if there were predators. Before we started to remove predators from overdevelopment and for all the different reasons why we don't have the predator, the animals would naturally move off the area of pasture. They couldn't stay for more than a week or a few days before the predators come in behind them. And so in holistic management, the farmer becomes the proxy predator and moves the animals from one paddock cordoned off by fences. And the animals or the grazers are placed inside of that patch for no more than a week, depending on what time of year it is, if the grass is growing faster or slower. And then they're moved from one patch to the next patch, and they don't return to that original patch until the grass has grown back in. And in that way, the animal has this relationship with the soil. It's part of the regeneration of the soil. It's part of building the soil health by feeding the soil with the animal's manure, but not able to stay on that patch of land too long where it's overgrazing and it's turning it like my chickens did, a patch of my backyard into dirt that didn't have any soil health. And so then when it rained, that area just became a muddy mess because the soil no longer had the capacity to hold those drops of water, to draw them downward. When soil is exposed to the sun, it turns into dirt. And that dirt over time begins to harden because there's no root systems there. And as it hardens, it basically turns into a concrete, a pavement. And then when it rains, instead of water going downward, which it would do if the soil was healthy, it slides off and it runs off and it takes with it whatever is in that dirt or whatever is in that soil, right? It runs off into streams, into our waterways, and eventually into the ocean. And that is what happened, was happening at this farm before they became organic. Before they used holistic management, the grass would dry out in the summer and they had to supplement the cow's diet with soybeans. So now that they are intentional with their grazing, now that the animals are moved from paddock to paddock about once a week, mimicking nature as though there was a predator coming behind, moving the animals off land faster, then the pasture is able to sustain the cows the entire season. When they're moved off the pasture quicker, they leave more of the vegetative cover on the ground, and that vegetative cover shades the ground 
and allows that seed to germinate and fill in the bare spots. Remember again, the backyard chickens where all the vegetative cover has been eaten down and then the sun beats down on that patch and it just grows it bigger and bigger until the entire space has very little vegetative cover. So the roots from the grass feed the microbes in the soil and build that organic matter that retains more water. More water held in the ground is good for the pasture and it's good for the adjoining river. Holistic management was started by a South American biologist named Alan Savory. And in the African grassland, he observed how large herds of herbivores moved across the plain and they grazed one area. And that uneaten pasture mixed with their excrement was ground into the soil by their hooves. And then the predators kept the herds moving before the area was overgrazed. And this process increased the vitality of the soil. And the herds would return to the same pasture the following season to find it all grown back. Alan Savory, who is still doing this work and lives part-time in Africa and part-time in Albuquerque, founded the Savory Institute. And the Institute found the organic matter increases by 2 to 3% on holistic managed land after three to five years. And for each 1% increase of organic soil, water retention increases by 20,000 to 25,000 gallons per acre. So if you look at that in another way, that's equivalent to filling 804 bathtubs. That's a huge amount of water. All of these farms that I went to who are practicing the holistic management or some type of rotational grazing, they don't need the research to understand how it's changed the way they're able to farm on their land because it has increased the amount of time their animals are able to sustain themselves on the pasture. And that's a huge difference because soy and corn and these other grains that need to be carted onto farms to supplement pasture require that much more water. And what is the source of the water of the soybeans and the corn? Was it irrigated using blue water? And I talk about the, de the designations of water color dependent on where the water is coming from on a past episode. But very quickly, green water is water that's coming straight from the sky. It's moisture, it's rain, it's snow melt. It's water that's not being diverted by rivers or streams or groundwater. That's the water we're using too quickly. The water in our reservoirs, our groundwater supplies are dropping, and especially during drought season like the one that we're currently experiencing. We want to grow farming practices utilizing more green water. And that's exactly what's happening with holistic manage. These are not pastures that are irrigated but rather growing naturally from rain and moisture. The farmer 
doesn't need to supplement. Now that you have the understanding, the vocabulary of what is holistic managed or intentional grazing, rotational grazing, now what? How do you find these farms? How do you find the products that originate from these farms? Well, it comes down to knowing what to look for. So if you're in a grocery store, I've noticed that the language is starting to pop up a little bit more. For example, inside the carton of eggs, I've noticed some of them using the terminology rotational, rotationally grazed chickens. So I'm looking for that terminology. For milk, I reach for Organic Valley, although it is not a requirement for all of their small-scale farmers to be holistic managed, I know that many of them are. But there's other dairy uh, collaboratives that will use the terminology of holistic managed or intentionally grazed. And it's going to their websites, like spending a few minutes to to look at their website, to see what they're saying about who they are and what they do and what their practices are. Because believe me, if they are utilizing these practices, they will say so. If not on their label, they will say so on their websites. And the thing is, once you spend the time to find the brands that you want to align yourself with, You only have to do it once. You don't have to do it over and over again. Once you find your egg brand, you found your egg brand. Once you find your milk brand, you found your milk brand. You don't have to do the work over and over again. So it's just taking things slowly, doing things one, one item at a time, and having the language to understand what you're looking for is what is critical here. But when you go to the farmer's market, This is another good reason to start at the farmer's market before you head to the aisles of your grocery store is then you have a farmer or um, someone who works on that farm in front of you and you can ask those questions. For example, I was at the Santa Monica farmer's market as a guest chef and I was taking a group of people who had signed up for this course to shop with me at the Santa Monica Farmer's Market to make a quiche, which is one of the recipes in my book. And so so there was three different vendors who sold eggs. We went to each one of those vendors and asked simply the question if they use rotational grazing, if they move their chickens from paddock to paddock. And two of the three did not do any holistic manage any type of rotationally grazed, although they were organic. They were feeding their chickens an organic feed, and the chickens were also living outside. So it was better, but I was looking for the best, the best uh, vendor that was utilizing what I understood to be the best agricultural methods to save water because it was building soil health. The third uh, vendor we went to, they were moving their chickens around. They were growing fruit trees 
and moving their chickens to different fruit trees so that the animals were feeding their orchards. I bought the eggs that were then used to make the quiche. We also bought some fruit from them as well. As I end this episode, I want to remind you to download my free guide on summer party planning. The the guide is packed with action tips you can utilize to eat less water for your next party, regardless if it's a party for four or 400. You can check the show notes for the link to download the guide and receive the bi-weekly Eat Less Water newsletter. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to leave a review. This also reminds me, in the show notes, I have a link for Cobblestone Farms. You can follow the work that they're doing. These farms and farmers that I showcase and I talk about on this podcast and write about in my book, they are the heroes of this story. They are the ones on a daily basis doing this incredible work to provide nutritious food for the eater and to be the caretakers of land and water and the river, and in this case, the Chesapeake Bay. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to leave a review. More reviews means podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify will recommend this show to more people. That is how this message will grow with collective energies. Meet me here again every Monday and Wednesday. Bye for now. Let's stay connected. Sign up for my newsletter and receive more tips in your inbox weekly and 15% off your first purchase at the Eat Less Water shop. You can also find me on your favorite social media space at Eat Less Water. Please remember to hit subscribe and leave a review, even if it's only the star rating, because every one of them will increase the chances of other like-minded folks to find us. Thank you for joining me on this journey to eat less water. Together, we will write the story of well-being for this planet we have the privilege to call home. Meet you back here every Monday and Wednesday. There is power in the collective. Thank you.